Greetings, I'm David Garig. Welcome to the Asana Kitchen podcast. Before we get started, just want to mention to you these upcoming events that I have. Um, seven weeks in Kovalam, starting um, January 13th to March 1st. Uh, it's a Mysore intensive plus extra classes. Would love to work with any of you in India. And then also I have a retreat the second week of March at a hot springs uh, off-the-grid hot springs in um, the forest of Oregon. Also love to work with you. So also, you can subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel or through iTunes. I'm recording this on November 22nd, Thanksgiving, and just wanted to, even though you'll be seeing this a bit later, I do want to wish you a uh, thanks, happy Thanksgiving and just say how thankful I am for all of you and the fact that uh, we share yoga together. That's the light of my life and I'm just thankful. So for this episode of the podcast, I'm gonna, gonna discuss the evolution of practice or and using the these kind of um, four stages of life in uh, Hindu, um, which are the, the kind of um, student phase, they call it brahmacharya, the householder phase, the forest, um, t- retreating to the forest stage, and then the renunciant stage. I want to think of it in two different ways. Is One is, is that there are kind of four grand stages, like that they really do correspond to like your age. So when you're a teenager and you're in school, you're in that first stage. And then you get married, you get saddled with work, and you're a householder. And then your kids grow up and, you know, things happen and you you begin, another process happens where kind of naturally introspection starts to enter into your your world, like an inner life, some you start to wonder about yourself, and and that's what this kind of withdrawing into the forest, um, that and withdrawing from worldly life, kind of getting a more spiritual dimension to your life, and then the the last phase where you like renunciation, where you become an ascetic. You really give up the, the material. You, you make ready physically, energetically, psychically to leave the material world. And um, so it's like a deeper, deeper stage of the forest dwelling. So that's the first way to see this as just four chronological life stages. But you can also be more playful and creative with it. it, it can, they're more like um, psych psychic places and um, we go through many cycles of them uh, repeatedly. In the brahmacharya phase, the practice or it's, so that the word brahmacharya, it's, um, it's one of the niyamas and it, it's celibacy. Okay. And so the, the, the word in this context is like the unmarried student or so the student that the a young person 
or a person that their station in life, it's kind of like equivalent to the Native American vision questing. It's like your, your energy is available for tapas, for practice. And so you don't have, uh, you're not married. So you don't have a partner, you don't have children, maybe you haven't even decided on a career. And so, so all of your energy, most of your energy can get funneled into practice. So it's an amazing time of practice. And, and it's time for like um, self-development. And, um, and then the Ashtanga practice is a perfect for this student phase because it gives you this very uh, substantial discipline, a, a, whole, a whole method for getting into Hatha yoga. And, um, and it's very structured. So, so the, the kind of flighty, youthful uh, exuberance and, you, you know, you can be given to distraction and um, really open to the world. And, yet, and so this practice, so Ashtanga gives you somewhere to put all that energy. And, and, so, and so you take to it and you, there's a zealousness or like a following of ideals and and so when you yoke yourself to Ashtanga, then you're, you're doing it six days a week and, and you're following the sequences and doing all the postures and really getting into the, the struggle and all that's happening. And then you're also potentially part of a community of learners, that others that are also doing the same thing. And so you devote a period of your life to intense Tapas and study. Your practice uh, reflects these um, four stages, or th there's a corresponding play out in your practice, or development or evolution of your practice. Um, so, and at first, you, uh, Ashtanga offers you this amazing um, template, this method as a student. So, to grab onto you, and it, it's a, uh, it's a, such a structured recipe that um, helps you to make, gain amazing skill and knowledge because you eliminate doubt, hesitation, uncertainty, um, and just confusion. So you, you could also say that in this phase, your, your life supports your practice. Okay, so everything is organized around practice. Your, your sleeping habits, your eating habits, um, your relationships, even your work. Right? So, so the it, practice is first, and it's, and it's this phase. And then when you go to the householder, that, there, an exact inversion happens. Okay, so when you get, the, you get a family and work responsibilities and such, then your practice supports your other, your life, not your life supporting your practice. Why I like these stages is because there's changes happen within that. You can't remain like the young 17-year-old student forever, okay? And so, so this next phase is, happens for most of us right, that we 
we get married, we, we start families and careers and so many responsibilities come. And so then your practice has to adjust. You have to adjust your practice for that. And you have to make room for these other responsibilities as a householder, then your practice isn't going to look the same. You're going to have to modify it and adapt it. You're going to have to shorten it. You're going to have to get creative about um, doing uh, doing different things. But like because so suppose you have 45 minutes per day, then you're, the only way to meet your practice is not just to do as much of your series as you can in 45 minutes and then stop every day. Because if, if you do that, then you're going to miss out on so many other aspects of the practice, like your inversions or maybe backbends from second series, or right? So there's this um, inevitable need to customize and personalize and to get, cr get creative about um, skipping postures or emphasizing certain themes on certain days. And, um, and making sure that you nourish yourself during this different phase and that you're, and you're able to transition, to adapt, and not be stuck in a rigid idea about practice, but um, allow your practice to reflect the circumstances that you, uh, that you are with now. So it's the transitions that you have to be particularly careful with. Because if you're stuck on the idea that, of what you had as a practice before, say, before you had a lot of responsibilities, then you might quit because you can't do that anymore. Or it might become very stale because you just keep doing the same thing over and over with the limited time that you have. And this is why I'm saying, though, that you have to kind of make ready for these um, evolutions. You have to make room for them and anticipate them. And you, so you, there can be frustration trying to practice as a householder. I mean, I think it's a big thing for people that, and so there is a tendency to make it all or nothing. Either I have all the time I want, all the freedom I want to practice, or I don't practice at all. Okay, and then, and I'm saying that's, you don't want that, right? That practicing some is far better than practicing none. And even from the perspective of that, keeping in mind that the householder phase doesn't last forever, right? That eventually you're going to be able to circle back around and put more energy into your practice. And that's what this forest um, retreat um, phase signifies is, now I have, I'm gaining, I'm getting back control and I can work more deeply on myself and on my practice. So for me, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm in the householder phase, but certainly I, I'm in a transition. I'm transitioning towards that forest dwellers stage, both in a kind of age way, but also psychically, like there, it's interesting how if you really follow your kind of inner life, that the, there's a naturalness to these phases. And, and, it, and, and in fact, you'll naturally um, tr 
transition to them if you stay in touch with yourself and you allow yourself to adapt as the conditions change and present and new conditions present themselves. But um, a, and as a householder, I'm um, <laughs> I have less. Uh, in a way, less binding me to the world than, the, than many because I don't have children. And um, that, so, but at the same time, teaching yoga is a huge householder responsibility for me that has deeply influenced my practice and, um, and limited my practice. And so I'm no stranger to having to compromise basically, having to accept uh, lower standards that are lower than desirable for my own personal practice because I'm giving more to the world and to my householder duties. So I will say, though, that I've made the most out of making do. <laughs> so in my very first um, Asana Kitchen cooking video, I had, uh, it was called the Ghetto Kitchen. I don't know if you've seen it, but I, I came up spontaneously with the motto because the kitchen was all just torn apart, right? It was so bad. And so I said, making do is what we do, <laughs> right? And to a certain degree, that's the motto of the householder when you practice. You, you make do, that's what you do. But you get into the spirit of making do, right? And you have fun with it. And there's a great Rumi poem about how he, he talks about how he used to be so serious and stone-faced about practice, and, and now he has kids running and like ducking down between his legs and sticking their tongue out at him when he's practicing, and how he loves that, right? And, and there's a way to celebrate um, and to get the most out of every phase. And one of the cool things about the householder phase of practice that I think is that they're so complementary. Like we, we often emphasize how antagonistic like spiritual, spirituality is from materiality, right? That attachments and ego and all these worldly things that we get into are so um, harmful. They cause so much suffering and um, they don't lead you down a spiritual track. But on the other hand, they can. How much you love your children, how much you love your job, how much you love your partners and your families, that's, that's true beauty. That's truly what life makes life worth living. And to allow that love and that passion that you have for your worldly life to enter into your practice, to be part of your practice, and, and, to, and for your practice to support that, that's, this is an amazing thing, is not to, to see those two as coming together and helping each other. There's a very beautiful um, statement when I go to Louisville, Kentucky to teach. I just was there last weekend, and it's the home of Muhammad Ali, and he, his presence is everywhere in that city and it's even in the yoga studio and there's a picture of him in the in one area and it says that your that your service to the world is the rent you pay 
for your room here on earth. <laughs> you know, and, and so you being a householder, that's partly what's going on. You're, that, this is your time to give to the world and to, and to use your practice as a strengthener. That, that you, by practicing, you're stronger. You have more to give, more to offer. So celebrate that and do the best you can to make do with what is there. Even though it's probably a lower standard than you desire. So the last thing about the householder practice is just kind of keeping in mind the difference between how your practice looks as a student, or like what you do on the mat every day as a student in the student phase versus the householder phase. And open it up. Let your practice breathe. So just let go of any strictness or rigidity about the series. Like, like benefit from all of that knowledge, but don't be bound by it. Like there's so many different ways you can do a shorter practice that besides just going through your series for as long as, right? Just for the however amount of time you have. So you could do some of the standing poses or um, make a selection of asanas of the first series or do the backbends of second series or do Surya Namaskara in inversions. Or, there's so many ways that you can open it up and make sure that you kind of, throughout the week, you represent all the different important categories um, of the Hatha Yoga practice. Okay, and so then this, this other phase, though, this next phase, that um, many of us are headed towards. We're either dipping our toe in or halfway there or really getting there. And, and I love the, the, uh, this whole, the, the image of it, that they, they call it the forest dweller phase, right? So it's, you have more time for practice, or you make more time for practice. And you, you want to do that, and the stars align, and your choices align so that you begin to make room for that more. Um, and then there's also your practice itself evolves again. Okay, so it, and it, it's funny. It's not just that I was a householder and now I'm in the forest, so I'm back to what I did as a brahmacharya, as a student. I'm not back to doing my third series exactly posture for posture or whatever that was, right? So, because now there's a whole nother quality. There's a, like introspection has happened and life has, has happened and um, pain and all kinds of um, trial and error, choices you've made and successes and failures and so much material or food for thought, food for um, reflection and for self-knowledge and for wanting self-knowledge, wanting to know yourself and to know the, 
the depths of you and the, the sacred aspects of you and the mysterious parts of you. Like, the, the, this happens. And so you, you don't practice in the same way. You're, you're physically, energetically, psychically, there's, it's all new. It's all different. And if you're ready for that transition, if you are embracing um, change and um, looking for what can evolve and what is evolving and, and what is there for me to discover, then this can be so fruitful, so bountiful and um, so fulfilling. Hopefully you've been preparing for this. All that practice, all those months and years that you've logged in, you benefit from those years, from those practices now. And, and, it, and it's okay if you started more recently. Like th these phases, there's flexibility. And so don't worry. If you're newer to practice, you can do an accelerated version or you did other things during that phase. And so there's no problem. But if you have been practicing, I want to give you incentive to practice as a student, as, an, as a householder. And to, to remind you that, that there's a cumulative thing that happens, a knowledge that ripens that is amazing, amazing, and that, that you can't imagine. And those 10 minutes, those 20 minutes that you put in when you don't have time, they make a difference later. Okay, and because these skills, the basic Hatha Yoga skills, the, the extent of mastery is large, right? That there's a lot to explore and discover with Uddiyana Bandha, with Ujjayi breathing, with so many of these just things that we somewhat take for granted, okay? The, the, and, but when you reach the phase like the forest dweller, Uddiyana Bandha becomes something entirely different to you, something, the, the, what you can extract from it, the, the experience and the consciousness and the kind of meditative awareness is more. And it's, you refine that. Self-knowledge, you could say it's a layering or an unlayering like that happens. And the practice techniques, they reveal the layers to you or they, they help you go through the unlayering process. You come to know this entity, both the, the individual entity, these bones, these very bones, these very lungs, right? This very thought process and this person that reacts with these emotions. And then also though this more universal, this other impersonal consciousness that, um, that is housed in here or that this is the vehicle for. Okay, so there's a whole kind of transformative relationship to self that happens and that yoga practice is leading you to. And the perspective that you have as a student, as a householder, and then as a forest dweller they are radically different and um, evolutionary.
Uh, and I would say though that what you like and like your sense of what captures you, what, what gets you absorbed, you, you take more control of your practice because you know those things better in this phase. So the whole idea of samadhi as absorption or becoming enraptured and knowing uh, unity, knowing a kind of spiritual dimension through your uh, concentration, through, through your ability to sustain internal awareness, this matures and um, comes to the forward. The last phase, I'm not entirely qualified to speak about yet. <laughs> and, um, and it's a very ambitious phase that I love about um, the Hindu system, right? That, because we tend to think of, in a mundane sense or in a worldly sense, that you do your, you know, you do your work till you're 65 or whatever, and you retire and you go to Florida and kick back, right? And you enjoy the, um, inv you've invested in your retirement, so you have a comfortable life. And, and here, this system is saying that the end is the hardest thing you'll do, that you'll kind of withdraw and renounce all those comforts and try to get to the spiritual essence of, of your life and of life itself. And, and, and in that way, too, your, your dharma or your sacred duty, that, that somehow it, it didn't end when you were a householder. It didn't end when you were a forest dweller. That, and, it, and even as a renunciant, it doesn't necessarily end because, because you, if you're a renunciant, then it's really that you're renouncing living your life for yourself, for your own personal gain. Right, that because you understand the unity of all existence, and that you that, that that's who you are. That you're this eternal presence that that it does unify everything. So that requires a very deep stillness, very deep internal, uh, sustained internal consciousness. Right, but it also then takes this um, selfless quality. And it's something, I feel that it's, it's a wonderful objective to, to lead you in towards the end of your life. Like, what an amazing thought about how, how am I exiting? What, what, what is my life building to, right? And, um, and it's quite a, quite a challenge. It's like, it, it keeps you very alive and very um, working, it, right? There's no, um, there's no kind of rest in a way, that there's, there's a, a spiritual burden or, or this, this work you have to do and this um, growth and evolution that you're, you're gonna keep evolving all the way till the day you die. And you're gonna prepare to be ready for your death. And that, that 
that the last whatever, if you're 80 or 90 or 96, that all of those years are, they're key to uh, spiritual development and to a life of practicing yoga. So remember, you, you can use this very fluidly and creatively, not rigidly. They might have a physical play out or phases of life in years and whatnot, but they're more like psychic places and, and cycles of creation. Um, there's so many different ways that can play out. So th there could be many phases of all four of these that are going on continually. And, oh, and you could even embrace them all at, at the same time. Yeah, right? That, or you, you could draw on the strengths of being a student or the strengths of being a householder or the, or the strength of the distant idea of renunciation. And certainly as you gain experience and practice, you can take each technique like vinyasa or um, working with mudras and think of them in terms of those phases. And, and they'll, they'll be very different um, depending on how you think of them. And, and also, yeah, what you'll extract out of like doing as an asana or doing like shoulder stand, say. They're, it's very different shoulder stand as a student versus shoulder stand as a renunciant Right? Versus shoulder stand as a forest dweller and as a householder. And it just helps you to give you more choices about what to do or how to use your practice. And then it also helps you to make sense of what you're feeling about your practice. Like, um, like why you might have urges to do certain things or not do other things and ways of encountering your frustrations and um, ways to make sense of why you're frustrated or, and also what you might do in response to being frustrated. I am aware of these four stages uh, and my, the way I teach, I, I size you up and I, I see where you're at. So I, I do my best to, uh, tailor my instructions to you based on the, the phase or phases that, um, where you are. And I also, I try to do, present my Asana Kitchen videos and the, all the different offerings to represent all of those phases. I encourage you to be very, to, to get inspired by the evolution of your practice, right? And to make room for evolution, to celebrate these different phases and to kind of grab hold of these four concepts to, to help you along your, your path. So anyway, I hope this helps you. And um, in closing, I'd like to remind you that um, upcoming, I have seven weeks of teaching in Kovalam in um, Southern India. Would love to um, share the practice with you. It's from January 13th to March 1st. And then I have an or a retreat in the hot springs in Oregon 
in the second week of March. So come see me. I would love to work with you. And thank you. Namaste.